Hey guys, I really want to play an intro song. I'm fighting it so hard because I've done it a couple times and when I listen back to it and I'm like, oh, that's so awkward. I just like, I don't know. It's hard to just like dive in, you know, it's like my voice. It's like, hey guys. And then you'll have to just, who was it? Someone from the States. Oh, big J. I don't know. It's funny on Instagram. You don't know their real names. I don't know. I think I should... I would know Big J's real name. But right now I can't think of it. But anyways, his Instagram handle is Big J. And he's like, okay, so you always say, hey guys. And he's like, is that the same thing as, hey y'all? Like, the Canadian version? And I was like, oh man, I don't know. Um, For all the Canadians out there, like, what's our version of hey y'all? I guess it's like, hey guys. Or, Hi. <laughs> I don't know. Nearly polite. Play way. Hello. How are you? Okay, that was really dumb. Um, anyways, hey guys. Um, and to the Americans, hey y'all. Um, I have some time I've just had a really good day. I shouldn't talk too much about it because it might be boring, but um I just I car I knew like I felt okay, Jesse's getting surgery on Friday. It's gonna be a huge deal. He's going to be overnight in the ICU. He's getting tonsils out, adenoids out, and ear tubes. So I've had I've had a kid getting adenoids and ton- or adenoids and ear tubes, and I've had a kid get tonsils out, Katie, recently, but she's 15, so it's a lot different than a three-year-old. And he's getting all of them out, and they're going to keep him in the ICU just because he's so little. And he obviously, like, he's not stressed out because he doesn't know about it. I am stressed out because I know about it. And I am so grateful that it's happening at BCCH, BC Children's Hospital, because they're absolutely, like, they're geniuses there. They're, like, world-renowned doctors and stuff. I'm just, like, I just, like, my kryptonite as a parent, my kryptonite as a parent is is having a child in pain, but specifically one that is sick, like, like physically, you know, like emotionally, that's tough too, obviously, but like, or, you know, school, academic wise, that's difficult. It's hard, but like the actual, like, you know, things like breathing, heart beating, staying alive kind of thing. That's, that's hard to cope with as a parent because like, here I am and I'm taking care of these kids and say they have like a really bad chest cough and they're not breathing. Like Jesse hasn't been breathing at night for as long as he's been alive. And every night I stare at him and I'm like, dear God, please take a deep breath. Come on, you can do it. It's been so hard. And I know this surgery is going to be good. It's going to help him, but still it's going to hurt him. And I don't want that. But I don't know. It's just life. Anyway, so that's coming up, and I was just kind of, like, gearing up for it, so I asked Andrew to take the boys overnight last night, so I had, like, usually when I take, when I ask him to take them, it's just so I can work, and so I do work tonight. I work in, I have to leave for work in about an hour and a half, um, but for the most part, like, last night, I just had time to myself, and I brought over some goodies to Jason and Natasha's, because they're, they are quarantining right now, because one of them was exposed to COVID, so they're just being on the safe side and I brought over some stuff there and then I hung out with John and that was really good and um I slept in this morning I went for a long run and I went and sat in a lawn chair by the river and 
like just totally pressing my reset button. Oh, that sounded super sexy. <laughs> um, I didn't press my reset button today, actually. Okay, that's too much information. <laughs> okay, anyways, so um, I'm sitting here and I'm just had some time to write and just like reflect and I don't know what you guys do for journaling or if you do any of that stuff. Oh man, I would really recommend it. I know that sometimes you, a thought comes, okay, for me, like a thought will come into my head and I'll think, oh, that's something that feels really important and I want to note it. And I think, should I stop and take a note of it? Put it in my note section? Should I take like a voice message just to like remember? And a lot of the times I'll be like, oh, I'll remember to write it down later. And I never do. And then I go back a few hours later when things have calmed down and I think, what was that thing that I wanted to write down? And I never, ever remember. So I just encourage you, if you can be like a little bit obsessive about it, like neurotic, if you ever come up with something in that moment and think, this is notable, write it down right away. Even if it's in your, like, you know, those voice memos on your phone, just slam it into one of those things. Because you can always, when whenever you have free time, which maybe you don't have free time. I don't have free time. This is my first free time I've had in I can't even tell you how long. And I was able to sit here and go through my voice memos and just make notes of it. I sat in front of my MacBook, I played my voice memos, and I wrote it out. So, yeah, it's just, it's just good. It's just so good to like get it out and to process things. And even if you don't ever look back on it, at the very least, in the very worst case scenario... It's a really cool journal to have one day, you know, like if you ever put it on your, put it on a hard drive or whatever, it's a really, really cool thing to keep. So that's, that's my advice. Um, okay. So we're going to dive in. These are the things that I wanted to talk about. These are the things that I collected from my voice memos, from Instagram, from my note section. And it starts out like this. Um, the other day, it was oh maybe about a week ago. So today's Wednesday. So it was like midweek last week and it was a rough day. I got my my phone plan what like my phone just got it just got nicked. Like boop over you have no cell phone. And uh, it was a bit of a rough day. I'm <laughs> thinking like if there's an emergency, how do I call a tow truck cuz my van is falling apart. Calm so funny. He's like your van's really loud. I'm like, yeah, I know. There's something wrong with it. And he's like, it's embarrassing. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not embarrassing. Because it's getting us to the beach right now. So it's not embarrassing. But yeah, it needs fixed. But um, yeah, so for a tow truck or 911, I didn't have that capability. Uh, so it was a bit of a rough day and I didn't get any notice. So it was just like, boof, off, gone. And I, my coping mechanism lately, for some reason... I have no idea why. It's nothing that I did to deserve it. It's just like, maybe it's insanity. Maybe it's mania. I don't know. But I laugh. Like I, it's my, it's my go-to, um, I guess it's my go-to emotion. Like I'm not laughing at anybody in particular. I'm just like laughing at the absurdity of the situation. I just giggle. Maybe it's a nervous laugh. I'm not sure. But so I'm hanging curtains in our living room. We have like, we have these like nice windows that look out into the screen space behind our apartment. It's actually pretty, pretty serene and it's cool. So I was hanging some curtains and just, cause it's getting cooler. I, I bought some tie backs from Walmart. 
like 10 bucks for like two, a pack of two. And I screwed them in and I'm, I kind of pulled the curtains back and I'm just giggling and not, not when I was hanging curtains, but I had laughed earlier during some stressful stuff. And then Callum comes up to me and he's like, mommy, when daddy does things that should make you mad, why do you laugh? I looked at him and then I totally like burst out laughing like Callum that's incredible that's incredible that you just said that to me and I felt like like it was it was such like a a flood of affirmation like the universe was like or God or whatever it is is like some the bigger thing was just kind of laying a, a blanket on me like you did a good job like you're doing a good job Susie that your child comes up to you because Callum could have come up to me and he could have said, you know, cause earlier I had to deal with stuff. I had to call the cell phone company and I'd explain things and I'm trying to hide myself in the bathroom and I can't lock the door because I literally will lock myself in the door and not be able to get out. Like we, I, I tape socks with duct tape to the top of the bathroom doors so that we don't lock ourselves in there. Cause for some reason, I don't know why the doors lock, but yeah, so I kind of, like, pseudo-locked myself in there just so the boys wouldn't hear me saying, like, hey, um, emergency, I need to somehow score myself a cell phone really quickly, and so Callum kind of got the gist of it, even though I tried my best to protect him from it. This is a tiny little shitty apartment, so he's gonna hear some stuff, but, um, I try to make it objective and not subjective, but he gets the vibe. So when he said that to me, I was like, you know, he could have said something like, mommy, when daddy does things that should make you mad, why do you swear? Or when daddy does things that should make you mad, why do you tell me that you hate him? Or why do you tell me like, but he didn't, he said, why do you laugh? And I like, I felt like I'm trying not to cry now. Like I felt like I'm doing a good job. Like it was such a good feeling, like just a full wash over me feeling like you're, you're doing the right thing. And I was like, Oh, I, I feel like I did a good thing. Like I gave Callum that gift and Jesse too. He's a little bit younger, but like I gave him that gift of like, it's okay. Like I want to give him that peace. Like no matter what happens, we're it's going to be a good time. Like we'll make it a good time. I will make it a good time. And I love that my kids feel that from me. I'm very, very, very grateful that he, that Callum is so smart and so articulate that he said that he doesn't owe me anything, but man, did that give me life. He doesn't have to give me life, but it sure did. And it felt like such a gift. Um, my next note was that because I don't know, like laughing can be kind of a trigger. And I know that, um, in a couple texts between Andrew and I, that's like some stuff that like, I just, my reaction was laughing. And I think, I didn't mean to hurt him with the laughing, but I, I do need to be aware that sometimes <laughs> sometimes laughing is a great way to cope, but I need to make sure that I laugh to myself, you know, so I don't want to make the other person feel laughed at because that can be a trigger. And then when that person is triggered, um, I mean, selfishly, my life is affected because that person will make it very, very <laughs> difficult. But but the root of it is I don't want to hurt people. And so when, when I laugh to cope, I have to kind of be aware of that. So like, if any of you guys are feeling that, that maybe sometimes you laugh, like kind of be 
aware of your purpose in sharing your laughing because that kind of got me into a little bit of a mess and I don't, I don't want that. Laughing is good, but you just have to kind of be aware of like who you're sharing it with. Um, so I have some thoughts about divorce and I just wrote a post about it and I'm not going to read it out, but, um, I'll just talk it out. These are my thoughts about divorce. So it's a loss of a marriage, but while the marriage is gone, the experiences remain because they are ours. So what I'm saying is a lot of people, when they get divorced, they are like, they just like throw a grenade over their shoulder and they walk away. Like that whole thing was a farce. It's a joke. Let's flush the whole thing. And while it's tempting to do that because we're human and it's like, it's just easier to cope with it. I think it takes a kind of an an internal strength to be able to sit with it and like sit with all the feelings. Like be aware of your feelings of wanting to throw a grenade over your shoulder. Be aware of the feelings of pain that was caused and be aware of like the truths of everything. But, um, like a lot of experiences that I had when I was married, they're my experiences. And I just think it's, okay, it's going to sound foo-foo, but they're mine, you know? Like, sometimes it's tempting to think back and get angry and be like, well, were they true experiences? Because that person is a liar, that person led me to believe that blah 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 it doesn't matter because in that moment how I experienced that moment was my own just as it is just as it was and so I honor that and I hold it close to me and I I think it's awesome so I want you guys to feel the same way it doesn't have to be like the ending of a marriage it could be like the ending of a job or losing a loved one like maybe a tumultuous relationship with a father or a mother, sometimes we think, okay, well, I, it's just easier to cope if you don't feel like those hard, like those, those heartstrings moments where we're like, oh, but, oh, I remember when it felt so, like when I was so happy and we had that memory and I'll never find that again. Um, like that kind of like, You know that feeling where you're feeling like pulled and just lean into it. Like, okay, don't fight it. Like, okay, yeah, that was an amazing moment. That was my experience. And honor it. Like, keep it. Don't have to throw it. You don't have to burn it. You don't have to throw a grenade over your shoulder and blow it up. The marriage is over, but those experiences are yours, are ours, and they're forever as long as we want to keep them. And I just think that that idea brings so much freedom and love that it can't be wrong, you know? Um, Another thing is that a divorce is an opportunity to create something new. So even though the, the, the marriage is over, it didn't, it's not like, okay, so just to be tangible, okay? So Andrew and I, we made Callum and Jesse. So like, let's not talk about stepkids or anything like that. Andrew and I made Callum and Jesse. There's four of us. So Andrew and I are getting divorced. Okay. So our marriage is over. So the definition of our relationship is over, but now we create a new definition of our relationship. So now we are Andrew and Susie, Callum and Jesse's parents. 
So now we get to create something. Like we have this opportunity, we have this blank canvas, right? So it's not like, I think so many people when they get divorced or when they lose a job or they lose a family member, they're like, oh, all they see is like this bunch of burnt shit, you know, like, oh, well, fuck, that whole forest burnt down and now I'm looking at nothing. It's like, no, we have this brand, we just changed directions. So now we have this like brand new canvas. What are we going to do with it? And I want to do, like, I want to be like, okay, so let's create a new family. Let's create a new relationship where we're going to be um, Callum and Jesse's parents. And we don't have to be angry about the old, old relationship. We don't have to, like, hold resentment. We don't have to blow things up. Like, let's, let's, like, this is brand new. It's like, it's like an opportunity, something to create. I think it's, like, life-giving. It's greenery. It's, like rainforest like we can think about it like that um it doesn't have to be like death and loss and tragedy and yeah sure there's like that stuff that we can deal with in the past but that doesn't take away from where we are right now and what our future holds um that's something I feel really passionate about Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is I'm going through this point form because I don't want to get too long in this podcast I listened to a podcast about divorce and how um, people, when they're coping with the trauma of it and, like, dealing with it emotionally, um, some, like, a caller, like, called in and asked the expert, I can't remember where I heard this from or whatever, but the expert, the caller was like, I'm really struggling with this divorce and how long is it going to take for me to get over this? Like, I feel so stuck. I feel like my life's on hold. I can't, like, I'm... I'm anxious. I'm like, my chest hurts. I can't sleep. And I need this. I need to know when this is going to be over. Like, when is this typically, like, when do you, when does the grieving kind of end? Like when, when, when will my new life begin kind of thing? And the expert, he was like, well, I know that you're asking for something very convoluted, but I know where you're going with this. And I'm, so I'm going to kind of like pacify you with an answer that makes you feel comfortable Typically, research says that it's about 18 months. So from the moment that you guys split up, it typically takes about 18 months for you to like move through all the, the, tra- like the trauma and the stress and like the no sleeping and like all that stuff it takes about 18 months for the average person. And he said, but it is much longer if the person stalks their ex's social media. He's like, it takes up to three years. That hit me. And so at that moment when I was listening to it, I had already decided deep within me that I would not go to Andrew's information. So like, I don't ask personally about his life. I don't, um, I I care about him so much, totally. And it's not that I can't handle it. I just don't think it's, I don't just don't think it serves me. Like, it's not like something that's actually going to give me that like push me in the right direction. I just, I just, it's like a neutral it's like beige and I don't like if I if I like I block him on Facebook and Instagram but not because I'm scared of him finding anything about me but because I don't so when you block somebody you can't see their stuff I don't want to see his stuff I don't want anyone to approach me and be like oh wow do you know about Andrew and and it's happened a couple times and I'm just totally shut that shit down I'm like nope not interested. Do not approach me with that. I don't know what your purpose is. I'm sure it's loving and caring. I'm not interested. I just think it's, it just feels, it feels unhealthy. Kind of like, you know, when you get that feeling like, um, this feels wrong. 
like I'm just kind of like going with my instincts and it just feels wrong. So when I heard that, I was like, yes, I'm doing the right thing. So 18 months. So in 2022, I'll be fine. Um, I can hear people talking outside. That's good. I'm glad they're happy. Um, another thing that I get, I got this conf- I get this question all the time. They message me and they say, how do you know when it's the right time to leave? Like, how did you know? Because I've tried to leave and I can't and I, I have all the reason to, but for some reason I just can't get my, I can't do it. And the answer that I come up with is, you know when you know. And there's no rhyme or reason. You can have the best textbook reason to leave. You can get punched in the face. You can get told you're a piece of shit. You can get told that your kids suck and they're useless and you, you're worthless. And like, you can get um, cheated on. You can get like abused until you're blue in the face. And then all of a sudden, one day, your will shifts. And it's like, I guess Oprah would say your aha moment, but it's like this, it's like the train tracks where you're going, you're going one direction, you're on a train, you're all good, it's all good, and then someone pulls this huge lever, that someone is the universe, or God, or your will, or something, and it's extra, it's out of you, and it pulls that lever, and then all of a sudden, it's like click clunk, and your train is going in a different direction, and you can never go back. It's nothing that you really can do about it. It just happens. You just know when you know. So I know that's disappointing to hear probably because you, most people kind of like to control their lives and have like um, a three point sermon on like what they can do the next day. You know, like you wake up and you have your coffee and you juice a celery juice and then you do the three things that are going to make you happy and it doesn't work like that. It's just, it just happens and you know when you know. And anyone who's been through it, you're nodding your head. You're like, yep, that's exactly how it is. You know when you know. Um, another question that I had is, what would, what would I say to Susie mid-March 2020? So the middle of March was kind of when that happened, like that shift of my will where the train was going in one direction and all of a sudden, clunk, boom. And it was the hardest thing I have, I don't know actually, I was going to say it's the hardest thing I've ever been through. I think the hardest thing I've ever been through was when Andrew was in the hospital for a month. And I had all, how many kids did I have with me at that time? Jesse wasn't born. Four, five, six. I had six kids with me at home and I was protecting all of them and caring for their emotional well-being um, by myself, you know, and then also physically making their meals and like their lunches and everything and just trying to like, it was hard. And then... Um, those, all of my kids were going through a very difficult time. So I'm being that person for them. I don't even want to get into it because it's such a rabbit hole, but that was the hardest time of my life. Hands down. I think my dad had a stroke in the middle of that. Freddie broke his arm. It was unbelievable. Um, this was the second hardest time of my life when I decided that my marriage was over. And it was not even that I decided it, the universe decided. It was like one of those moments where all of a sudden we had an event. That event has happened many times before, but this was the event with all caps and it was just over. Boom, gone, done. And what I would say to Susie in that moment is I think I think this this wise knowing version of myself was always right there. 
Like, I wouldn't say any, I wouldn't say anything different to her because I was there then. I'm here now, just a little bit stronger and lighter now. But it's crazy the amount of faith I had back then. Like, it's so cool that I recorded podcasts back then. Um, just going through all that because like, I, I, I'm literally the same person. I remember I'd sweat through all of my clothes every single night, just as I did after I had all my babies, you know, like that postpartum sweat, I would be on all day for them. And then the stress comes out and it would come out at night and I would sweat through all my clothes. I was really struggling, but I did it. I knew it. I had that knowing like I am her, I am that same person. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think there's anything that I could really tell her now. I am her. It's better now, but I knew it would be though. Right? Like I knew, and I think that running, I know maybe the non-runners are going to roll their eyes right now, but like long distance running really gave me that tenacity or that knowing that as hard as it is in this moment, it's going to get better. Like there's a finish line and I've done it over and over and over. Like even today I ran 14 miles and I was like by 10 miles, I'm like, I'm done. I'm over this. And I was so thirsty and my mouth was dry. And I was like, there's no way of me getting anything to drink. And there was a time where I could, I could have probably kind of ventured off and like dunked myself in the Fraser river. But I'm like, that's only going to postpone me getting a drink and I'm really thirsty. So I'm just going to power through and I can take walk breaks and I can push the Like you get there. That's the thing. Like time passes. Everything's going to be okay. That feeling translates that um, knowledge, that knowing. And I don't like, I really don't think there's anything that I could say to Susie mid-March 2020 that she didn't already know. So I don't know if that's like winning or losing, but just the way it is. The one thing that I that I have shared with many people is that when you're going through something, you're going you have to like this make this huge decision and you take that first step and like you know when you do that, like whether it's quitting a job or ending a relationship, you're like, Oh, this is gonna be huge, a big huge mess. Like I'm blowing some shit up and it's gonna suck. Like the next month or two or the next year is gonna be very difficult. And so a lot of people are wary of the fallouts and the one thing that I say, and it's a God honest truth, that everything that I've ever done that I anticipate to be very difficult, like ending a marriage or, you know, like ending a relationship or a job or anything like that, that's, that's a very a di- difficult decision is that our worries are never as bad as the reality. So we anticipate something to be terrible and it's never as bad as we think it will be. It might be bad, like for sure, but it'll be bad in different areas that we didn't anticipate, but like we cope with it. Like people will come in and they'll help you. Like you just be a good person and good people will come to you. That's just the way it is. But it's never going to be so difficult. Like it's not going to be what you think it is. Like if you're worrying about it, oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. It's copable. It's doable. Like it's going to work out. Anyway, that's my post. Or not my post. That's my um that's my take. So, okay. And then I listened to a podcast about I just need to check how much time I've been going here. Okay, we're good. There's a few minutes left. So, I was listening to a podcast with Bre- uh, Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and 
Glennon Doyle said out loud, like it's not a quote, but she uh, said this out loud to Brene Brown. She said this, and it stopped me in my, in my tracks, literally, because I was running. She was talking about how she left her marriage, and she um, kind of came to this conclusion in the middle of a situation where her daughter was asking her to braid her hair or whatever. So she's looking at her daughter, and she's braiding her hair, and she thought to herself, and she said this aloud, Am I staying in this marriage for this little girl? No, she said, I am staying in this marriage for this little girl. But would I want this marriage for this little girl? If not, then why am I modeling bad love for her and calling it good mothering? I feel like this is a quote that you have to read. Like for me personally, I would have to read it to like kind of let it sink in. Because it's something that I told myself for so long. Um, and I, it's so common. It's so common for us to be like, well, we have kids. I remember going to counseling years ago. This is a little, like, I didn't write this down. It's just a memory that popped up. And it was during my first, during my first marriage. And I was with my therapist, Chuck. And I was like, I just, like, I love my kids so much. And I care about Jason so much. Like, I don't want to end this marriage because, like, we have kids together. Like, can't we make this work? And he said something like, well, good thing you have kids together. Almost sarcastically, like, to challenge me like well good thing that you're together for your kids like good job like kind of like is that the right reason to stay together and I don't know actually what he meant in that moment but in that moment I took it as oh it's not a good reason to stay with somebody that you shouldn't be with and yet we all do it like we all do it and I did that with Andrew too. I thought, well, I mean, but the thing, like, I like, I love, I love Jason. I loved Andrew. I love what sometimes love has nothing to do with it, you know. And I thought, well, like, this is very stressful, but maybe I can make this work because it's going to be stressful to leave too. It's going to be stressful to leave and figure out life on my own. So if it's going to be stressful either way, then let's just try and make this work. But here we are with these kids that are impressionable and they're watching us, you know, and it's like Glennon Doyle's like, am I staying in this marriage for this little, I'm staying in this marriage for this little girl, but would I want this marriage for this little girl? That's a different story. And that's what changed me. And it's funny because my biological daughter, Katie, like the one that I share with Jason, I thought about her so many times and I was like, she that's that's what ultimately led me to leave is that I was like if I knew that Katie was in a marriage like this would I be okay with this and a hundred percent no like a hundred percent no but the clincher was my stepdaughter Kyla who I do not have biological relationship with I thought about her and I'm like would Andrew want her to be in a relationship like this? <sighs> like, holy, holy shit. That's another level. And, you know, I think that I'm a strong person. And that I'm capable of powering through, but I can only control me, you know? And to think that... To think that 
I am modeling bad mothering for a child that's not even mine. Shame on me. You know? Does that make sense? Katie will forgive me. I'm her mom. But that's another level. Another quote that Glennon Doyle wrote, she wrote, My children do not need me to save them. My children need to watch me save myself. I cannot tell you how much my kids support me. I do not need their support. I'm their mother. But the fact that they are 100% behind me and they can see how happy I am and how healthy I am and that I'm going through like financially the hardest time I have ever been through in my life. Uh, Like the, the, um, I have to be careful how I word it, but like, just like, it's so hard and that they see me and they, they're like, mom, like you're doing this. And the messages that I get from them, them and the, the relationships that I have with them and like, I just want, I know I'm being very um, evasive, but if anyone out there is holding back from doing something really, really hard, obviously I do not encourage divorce, okay? Like, obviously, okay? That should go without saying. If you think I'm just out there like, oh, misery loves company and I want y'all to be divorced. I don't. I love marriage. Like, that's all I ever wanted was to be married until I was 96. That's all I wanted. Um, And I want that for everybody. Like, that's what I want. That's my heart. But if anyone out there is like kind of hanging in there because they think that their kids need them to sacrifice themselves for them, kids see through that shit. I have teenagers. Teenagers tell you shit you don't want to hear, but it's the God honest truth. They'll totally call you out on your bullshit. They, they do that. That's what teenagers do. If any of you guys have teenagers, you're nodding. You're like, yep. Most people, like most parents that I know right now, like moms my age, because I had kids really young, they have younger kids. They're just kind of slowly entering the teenage years right now. So you guys are like not really understanding what I'm saying. You're like, okay, well, she might be telling the truth. What's going to be, I'm going to be nervous. So teenagers are awesome. In fact, I, before COVID started, I was like fully fired up on being a secondary high school teacher because teenagers are that incredible. They're that amazing. They're so awesome. Don't be scared of them, but they will, they will tell you the truth. So you can't be scared of the truth. (laughs) So don't, don't think like, oh, well, Um, I'm going to stay together for the kids because they grow up to be teenagers and they'll tell you, you know what, your mom, you're miserable. This is abusive. This is sick. This is crazy. Like you need to to figure this out. So just know that even though they're six years old and seven years old and eight years old and they're like, you know, kids know, they just know, they feel it. You can tell they act out, they do stuff like you can tell. Um, okay. I should wrap this up pretty quick. Yeah, I'll just probably wrap this up pretty quick. I feel like this has been a really deep podcast episode, Um, but that's okay. And I hope that you, (laughs) I hope that you felt encouraged and, I don't know, less dismal. Because, like, life's shitty sometimes and life's hard and we have to make all these difficult decisions. And I'm, I, like, my purpose is giving hope. So I hope that I gave you some hope. Like, I'm sitting here, um, statistically, 
I shouldn't be scraping by, but I'm scraping by and it's okay. And, um, as usual, as I kind of typically always say, if you guys feel like anything that I said is making you feel like Susie, I don't believe you and you want to talk it out, you can just message me anytime and we'll talk it out. We'll figure it out. You're not alone. I love you guys. Um, it's going to be okay. And if I'm kind of MIA for a little bit, I'm just kind of hanging in there and going through this surgery stuff with Jesse, but that'll work out too. It's good. Okay. I love you guys. I hope you have a really good rest of your week and a good weekend.